are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Hey, we're in a new season together we're calling uh, Summer of Prayer. We aren't doing so much sermon series this year. We're just kind of soaking in a season of what God's doing. And we're going to soak in the season of prayer for a while. So uh, we're just getting started with that. So we're going to take the summer to make sure that we're praying and we're learning how to pray because there's always something to learn. If you're new, there's a lot to learn sometimes. If you've been praying for a while, there's still more to learn. So, so we're doing that. Uh, prayer is what opens the door for relationship with the Lord and to receive what He has for us. So it's very important that we pray. Um, last week we talked about how God is welcoming in prayer. How does God feel about you when you come to Him in prayer? He is welcoming. He is glad to see you. He loves you. He's not going to scold you. Where have you been? Why don't you pray more? He, his arms are open wide. And we talked about the, the father of the prodigal son who just came and and before he could get a word out of his mouth, the father was kissing him. So God waits for you with kisses as you come to him in prayer. And that's good for us. Uh, we talked about how his goal is to make us kings and priests. He does that through prayer. He is training you to have authority and to rule and affect culture. Uh, he does that through prayer. And so it's important that we learn and understand this. We minister to the Lord as priests. Especially today when we sing that song together, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, Jesus, I love you. We were ministering to him. And that's how we, we, we minister to him as priests. Um, but we can't rule without being a priest. So that's where it starts. So today, I want to talk about stepping into the current of God's will in prayer. Stepping into the current. Now, years ago, Mary and I took a raft trip down the Okoye River in East Tennessee. Uh, Mary loves to canoe. <laughs> we almost broke up once over a canoe, a canoe trip long ago. She does not like to canoe. And some, you know, I, I just get these ideas that I think Mary would really enjoy a whitewater rafting trip. So we went with some friends. Uh, the Okoye River is 93 miles long. It's in... Uh, the Southern Appalachian Mountains. It's cold. I mean, it was the day we were there. It's 100 degrees outside. The water's 60. It was cold, and it's wild. There are Class Three and Four rapids in the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. They used the Okoye River, a 10-mile stretch for the water events. It's serious. So uh, we're driving down the road on the way to the Okoye River. We're, we go alongside the river. You look over, and there's people. There's rafts coming down. I've got a little footage here I'll show you. There's, there's rafts coming down. People are flying out of the rafts. Rafts are tipping, tipping over, and you're just driving, and it's getting rougher and, and wilder along the way. This is, this is the kind of thing that's happening. And, 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 and uh, this, is, this is the river that we were on. We went right through this part right here. And uh, Mary's getting more excited, like, Greg, thank you for taking us on this rafting trip. I am so excited about this, you know, and... Uh, it's, it's, it, this, this guy's probably going to drown. So it's, just, it's, just, it's, 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 it's very serious. I think that is Mary, actually, after she fell out of the raft. So, um, so we're, we're coming down this, and we sign up with a rafting company, and they pull us aside, and we see a video, and 
our tour guide, tour guide named Bubba comes along and Bubba's kind of a large man. I think he knows what he's doing. And so we're talking a little bit and he gives us this, this pep talk, basically, do everything I tell you to do or you will die. That's basically kind of what the, trip, what the pep talk was. So, so we thought, well, this is crazy, but we know that uh, we've got a guide with us. So we get into the raft, we start going down the river, and the first rapid is called Double Trouble. And in Double Trouble, you go down about 10 feet, and you come up, and then you go down in 10 feet and come up. And when we went, we went down and we came up, we're all in the front of the raft, Bubba's in the back of the raft, and when we came up and over, I, I turn around and I see Bubba's feet as he's going into the air <laughs> and landing in the water. Bubba's gone. We have, no, we, have no, we have no guide, and we've only been through our first rapid. And uh, we were a little concerned. We got Bubba back in the raft. We had to find him and dig him out of the water and pull him back in, and it was, it was kind of crazy. But then we, get to this, we go through all these rapids and the rocks, and we get, we get past the worst part, and he goes, I want you to feel the current of this river. So he had us get out of the raft. We got our life preservers on. We got our helmets on. And we put our hands behind our head, and we laid on our back, and you, and you go down the river feet first. So I just remember getting in the water, and man, you just take off. And you're feet first, so if you slam into a rock or somebody else, your feet are going to hit, not your head, you know? And I just remember that current was so strong, it just, it just pulled us right along the river, took us forward, and just moved us very quickly. We went a long distance in a short amount of time. And so many things in the kingdom of God are based on momentum. You know, when we follow the Lord Jesus and we're trying to get better and we're just learning to be obedient and follow him and make changes, and as we, by faith, step into some of these changes, momentum builds and it gets easier to, make, to, to do the right thing. Doing the right thing becomes easy because we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in the current of what God is doing through obedience. Prayer is the same way. Um, it's like stepping into a river when we pray. We step in and we're ankle deep and we don't feel a whole lot and we go a little deeper and then pretty soon it's up to our knees and we start to feel the current under our, in, in our legs. That Man, there's something in there. There's something down there moving. Go up to our waist, go up to our chest. That current gets stronger. It's like, man, we, you, gotta, you gotta work at it to keep from getting sucked away by that current. Get up to our necks and pretty soon we're gone and off we go. And that's kind of how it is with prayer. There's something bigger than us going on when we pray. There is the current of God's will and His Holy Spirit working in us through prayer that builds momentum and it becomes easier to pray and to, to work in partnership and tandem with the Lord through our prayers. Now we experience this on a personal level, but we also experience this in a corporate level. When we pray together, there's just a momentum is created a lot of times, and we're just moving. And we kind of started maybe thinking we're going to be praying about this, but all of a sudden we just shoot off this direction, and the Lord is just fueling it, and He's behind it and pushing it, and it's just cool. Some days we're praying, and it's like we're together, and this is going nowhere. <laughs> there's no current. There's, and then all of a sudden somebody starts to pray, and, and, and they lock in, and pretty soon we're just all moving at the same time. And it's just... As we follow the Lord, there are these moments of, mom of momentum where His current just takes us, and we know that He's moving things forward.
And that's good for us. It's called grace. It's God's, it's God's work. It's his current uh, leading us along. So today I want to talk about how do we step into the current of prayer. Last week we used a verse kind of as, uh, towards the end, just kind of dropped it in there. And we're going to kind of make this our key verse for the day. So I want to invite you to stand and for someone to read Hebrews 5, verse 7, one, one verse, and we're going to read this together. Or someone's going to read it for us. Go ahead. Whoever wants to read. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Okay, short and sweet. Thank you. I've missed you reading, by the way. It was good to have you back, back in the saddle, baby. Steve's not here. Becky's sick. Steve's not here to take your place today. So, The writer is talking about how Jesus is our example in prayer. Jesus had a dynamic prayer life, and he prayed as a priest. Talked about this last week. What did priests do? They offer up sacrifices to the Lord. And part of his sacrifice to the Lord and his ministering to the Lord was the prayers and petitions that he raised up to the Father when he was on this earth. It was part of his ministry. And this is how we approach God as a priest. We come and we minister to him. A lot of us see prayer as something that we do for ourselves. God, I need this, I need this, I need this. And we do need some things. We prayed about needs today. But we understand as we begin to pray, our prayers touch God's heart, and we minister to him as a priest through prayer. Um, And then it says that he was heard for a specific reason. If you could pop that back up again. What what does it say the reason was that Jesus' prayers were heard? Because of his reverent submission. Okay? Now these are two words that we don't usually care for. One is because it's kind of a religious sounding word. The other one because we just don't like to do it. But what what does reverence mean? What does reverence mean in your opinion? What's that? Okay, respect and honor, that's a good one. We, we, uh, reverence means a healthy respect for someone or something. You know, growing up, my dad was the head of the household. He was bigger than me and wiser than me, and I was always being challenged to have a reverent respect for my dad, which I did have and do to this day. Uh, reverence. Uh, what is submission? What is submission? Okay, giving in. Put your power under somebody else's power. Yeah, technically I'd say submission is this, the action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. If we have jobs and we have bosses, you can submit to your boss or you cannot submit to your boss and get fired sometimes, you know. We make a choice to submit to the will of another person. Sometimes that person, they have superior Authority, but or superior power. Um, even though the Lord Jesus was God, he came to this earth, he laid aside his rights as God, and he submitted to the will of the Father on this earth. This is, this is what he did. Now, this is the starting point for us as we um, approach God in prayer. We come with reverent submission. Now, we hear the word reverence, we don't come religiously. We don't come 
Our Father and our God, we come before thee today because we have requests that we shall make to thee. You know, we don't, we don't come with a funny voice or with Old English. We come in our normal voice, our normal personality, but we approach him with the attitude of reverence. That God, you're in charge. You're the Lord. We don't come casually. We come with, with a, there's a degree of weight. You know, if you were to go meet somebody big and talk to them, you know, you would come with a, a, there'd be a weight to it when we meet somebody important. And we do that with the Lord. Uh, we come with reverent submission. Now, yesterday I was dropping off some mail to a lady, and she came out with a shirt on that said Belize on it. Uh, it's a country in Central America. I've been to Belize a few times and had, and I, lo- and I love that country. I've done a lot of ministry in Belize. And, and once I was in Belize, and I was there with a ma- uh, guy named Brad, and we went and had lunch with the mayor of Belize City, biggest city in, in, in town, in the country. So we went and we had lunch with the mayor. Not a big deal. But he is, he is the most influential, authoritative man in the city that I was in, in Belize. And so we yielded to him. Sir, where do you want to sit <laughs> when you go eat, you know? It was just the three of us. How much time do you have today? Uh, what do you want to talk about? We had a reverent respect for the mayor as we had lunch with him. Now we do this with the Lord Jesus, but it's on a bigger scale than just someone who's a government official. We have a deep respect for him. And specifically what Jesus did with this reverent respect was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Actually, it wasn't a garden, it was an olive grove where they would press the olives. And the night before he died, he went and he prayed with his disciples. And in Matthew 26, 39, it says this, Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What was his statement of reverent submission? What was his statement of reverent submission? Not what I want, but what you want. This is what's important. God, here's, here's what I want to see happen. <laughs> but not as I want, but as you want. Okay? This isn't about me. You call the shots. Verse 42, he went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He starts in prayer, almost like there's this opportunity to, to pass this over and not have to go to the cross and not have to suffer very quickly in prayer, and he knew this was God's will, but it was reinforced, and he goes, well, okay, if this is your will, because we learn what God's will is in prayer. That's, that, that's the place where we know what, we learn what God wants as we're in a place of prayer. He felt this, and he said, okay, God, your will be done. I, su- I submit to you. Let's do it your way. Let's do your plan. Uh, reverent submission involves saying to the Father, not as I will, but as you will. God, I renounce my will and what I want, and I take up and I embrace what you want to happen. That's how we start in prayer. That's how we get into God's current of prayer, you know, how we, how we jump into that and be pulled along by the Holy Spirit. It's according to his will. Now, we're not always going to do it perfectly. That's one thing I always want to stress as we talk about the ways of God you know, especially as we get started, we're not going to be perfect. We're not always going to do it right. You know, but we come and he embraces us and he, and he welcomes us and he brings it in. 
but we, we learn. As we become people of prayer, we learn to pivot, and we learn to yield. Sometimes we come in thinking we know, and, and we don't. He tells us what he wants. That's what, that's what we want. Reverent submission is the key. And when, when the Lord Jesus gave us the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, you know, the disciples didn't say, teach us to preach or teach us to play golf. He said, teach, teach us to pray. We want to know how you, play, how, how you pray. And he, and he made these statements, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done. There's no discussion. Everyone submits. God's will is done. And Jesus said to pray, God, your will be done on earth like it's done in heaven. We would pray, God, your will be done in our church like it is in heaven. God, your will be done in my family like it is in heaven, at my workplace, in my personal life. Your will be done. Uh, God, if my will and your will clashes, I want your will. I renounce my will, I want your will. I, sur- I surrender to you. <laughs> I, want, I want to take up what you want and not what I want. This is a huge part of prayer. Now, when I was in the Okoye River, going down the, going down the river pulled by the current, um, I could have thought to myself, you know, I want to go upstream for a while. I'm going to turn around, I'm going to go, I'm going to go upstream. It would have been absolutely impossible because that current was so strong. It would have been a big problem for me if I turned and tried to go up, up, upstream. Uh, if I wanted to go to the right or the left, I could barely do it because that current just had me and I'm going. And we, we learn as the people of God to trust him in the current. God, take this where you want it to go. Take this church where you want to take it. Take my family where you want to take it. Take my life where you want to take it. And God, I'm going to pursue you in prayer because as much as it's possible for me, I want to know where you want to take it. That's part of prayer. I want to, God, I want to know what's on your mind. I want to know how you want it done. He might not tell me everything, but I want to know that, Lord, just show me where this thing is going, okay? Help me to get on board so I can, so I can yield to you. And as we do this, we start to feel the current of what God is doing, and we move in it, not against it. That's important for us. Now, there's two things to remember as we do this, okay? Um, this aspect of prayer is not just about submission. It's about being trained to rule and have authority. That you know, the, one of the main places God teaches you to have influence is in a place of prayer. Because it's one of the places where we have the most influence in this life. You know, the world tells us, well, when all else fails, pray. Uh, what God would say is this place of prayer is a place where you have influence and rule and authority. And, and, and things will change in this world as you pray. We talked about Elijah with that last week. Uh, a great example was King David. King David is such a great story because God took him from being a shepherd boy, which was kind of the lowest of the low in that culture, and took him and made him into a king, which is the highest of the high. We don't have shepherd boys and we don't really have kings in our culture, uh, but he went from the lowest to the highest, and God taught him how to be a king. He didn't go to king school. He didn't go to class. God, God taught him how to rule and to reign and to lead, and a lot of it was through prayer and submission. Uh, there was a time after David's kingdom was established that he wanted to build a, a temple for the Lord. God was, he manifested his presence in a tabernacle or a tent. 
And I don't know if David thought God was slumming it or what was going on, but God, I want you to live in this tent. I want to build a great temple for you, okay? And he brought this to the Lord, and that's fine. And God's reaction was kind of surprising. God asked him some questions. Uh, and he'll do that with you, by the way. We'll come to him, he'll ask us some questions, you know. And he, and he said, well, you know, I'm, I've never asked for a house. You know, that's okay. Uh, who do you think you are to build me a house? Do you think you're qualified? <laughs> you know, he kind of just asked some questions. And then he makes a statement. He says, you're, you've been a man of war and you've killed a lot of people. I want the person who builds me a house to be uh, a man of peace who has not killed a lot of folks. Now, David comes to the Lord with his own plan. And as, you, as we grow in prayer and in relationship with the Lord, I think God invites that. What do you want to do? What do you want to see happen here? God invites us into the, into the situation. At first, it's kind of like, God, what do you want to do? But then later it becomes more like, God says, well, Greg, what do you want to do? What do you want to see happen here? And David kind of comes with that, with this plan. And I think his heart was in the right place. But how David responded to this was very, very important. David could have, got, could have gotten offended by the Lord. God, I came to you with this plan, and it's good, and, and I'm king, and, and uh, I want to do this for you, and you just kind of shot it down. He could have got offended, or he could have got mad or frustrated, but he didn't. He chose to submit. Not my will, but your will be done. And the response of the Lord, and this is really, really cool. Remember, God's training him how to rule and how to lead. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, 18 and 19, Then David the king came in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, Lord God, and who are the members of my household that you have brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, Lord, for you have spoken also of the house of your servant regarding the distant future. Through David's submission to the Lord, God turned the tables on him in a good way. God says to David, you wanted to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And he didn't mean like a house, like a temple or a, or a palace. He was talking about a dynasty of his family. David, because you wanted to build me a house and you reverently submitted, I'm going to build you a dynasty that's going to be the longest dynasty of rule probably in the history of the world. You're going to have, you're going to have heirs who are going to be kings and kings and kings after them. And then it's going to lead all the way down to the Messiah coming. In fact, the Messiah is going to come through your line, and he's going to be known as the son of David. God, you wanted to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house, God says to him. And David's reverent submission enabled him to receive. It's funny, you're praying for generations today. <laughs> you know, God's plan for prayer is bigger than our plan for prayer. He's doing more than we think he's doing. It's huge for us. God was teaching David how to move with him to rule and affect culture. Lori, you were praying about that, to affect culture. And uh, Sid, you were too today. It takes some yielding and some transformation to make that work. But we bring requests to him, and that's fine. At first especially, we just have needs. You know, God, my job, there's a promotion coming up, or I need this other job. Or I'm having some car problem here, Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, kids are driving me crazy. 
you know, husband's driving me crazy. You know, this could be a whole lot of different things. And, and, and we take these to the Lord and we let him take it where he wants to take it. And he shows us what he's doing and we say, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes it's just, and he just booms, he just takes care of that thing. But remember, he's training us to lead and to rule through prayer. So there'll be times we've got to pivot. He might even bring a little bit, of, it might even feel like a little bit of a rebuke. Now, this isn't what I'm doing, I'm doing something over here. You need to get, you need to get over here again, I'm bored with this, you know. But he's, he's leading and he's training us. Uh, he redirects us towards superior pursuits. We bring this little thing to him and he does this bigger thing and he lets us in on it. And it's cool. Uh, still answers a lot of our old prayers. But as we move to him, yielding, we receive bigger answers to prayer than we ever dreamed of. And we see God do some amazing things. This would say this, your prayers are bigger than you think. Your prayers are bigger than you think. One reason so stinking hard to get consistent in prayer is because we face a lot of opposition in areas of discipline in our life just to be prayers. Because things, come, things happen. It's hard to be disciplined sometimes. For some of us it's easier than others. But you know, if, if the enemy knows, and everything's not the devil's fault, but if the enemy knows this is a key way that we learn to rule and reign and minister to the Lord, you better believe that he's going to throw up opposition to keep us from being people of prayer. It's one of the most important things that we do as believers is to be people of prayer and talk to him. And we grow in it. So that's the first thing he's doing. The second thing is this, learning to pray is also about our personal transformation. Uh, Ephesians 4, through 24. In reference to your former way of life, Paul says to the church, you are to rid yourselves of the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There's this transformation that God is leading us to, putting off who we have been, in a sense, our old self, and becoming who God is making us to be with a new mind, new desires, new pursuits, new goals, new focus, and when we pray, um, and this is something God tells us to do, he doesn't say, I'm going to do it for you. He says, put off the old self and put on the new self. And how do we do that? By, by yielding and saying, not my will, but your will be done. We submit. And we're being made new as we yield to God in prayer. Now, this doesn't come naturally to us. I'm not a yielder. I'm learning, I'm practicing, even with my driving, to be a yielder, because driving is a symbol of our lives sometimes, you know? It's a picture of where we are on the inside. I'm trying to learn to yield. Uh, our granddaughter Josephine was with us for a week, and she's a great girl, and she's a lot of fun, but she's a three-year-old, and she does not like to yield. I don't, if I tell her to do something, she, she doesn't stop and say, you know, Papa, your wisdom is so astounding, and your timing is perfect, and I just want to do it your way. So you just tell me what to do, and I'm just going to do it. I've never heard those words come out of her mouth. I want to go to the park. I said, let's, let's go to the park. That's great. But, you know, first we're going to take a nap, and then we're going to go to the park. No, I want to go to the park now. Not going to yield. We're going to do it my way. Uh, 
Josephine, you can't have popcorn for every single meal. Have some chicken, okay? Um, no, this is the one that really happened. Both, actually, both of those really happened. Uh, this last one was, uh, no, Josephine, you can't ride down the big yellow slide because you'll die, and you have to be four feet tall to ride down the big yellow slide at the Y. Why don't we go to the little kid's slide? And Josephine has this thing. She understands. She has this feeling as a three-year-old that she has power and authority. And she will say, I say no. <laughs> and her expectations is like, oh, I am so sorry, Queen Josephine. I, did, I thought you approved. It was my mistake. We'll skip the nap and go to the park. She says, I say no. Or she says, I say yes. <laughs> I say, and we, and Mary and I just, we just laugh about it. You know, I say yes. <laughs> Maybe mom and dad yield. I don't know, but grandma and grandpa don't yield, you know. No, you're going to take a nap. But I say yes. I say, you can, once I told her, you can say whatever you want to. I don't care. You're going to take a nap, okay? <laughs> the old self is a rebel. <laughs> the old self is a rebel. One of the most harmful things I see in church people <laughs> is that it can be easy to act pious and surrendered on the outside, but on the inside we're full of rebellion and we have every intention of being in control. And God, you're going to do it my way. Of course, we don't do that on the outside. You know, we look very religious. But that, that attitude stinks. It stinks to the Lord. He wants us to, to yield. A lot of times we, th we think that, well, if I do a whole bunch of good things, then I don't have to really get to the bottom of what's on the inside of me because I'm doing all this good stuff. And Lord, you're just going to give me a pass and just let it slide. And like, Lord's like, no, I want total transformation. I want to I crucify that old rebel self. Um, God calls it witchcraft. It's an it's a avenue through which the enemy can rule and reign in, in God's people through rebellion and uh, going the enemy's way and not the Lord's way sometimes. We beat this by submitting. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. That's what we want. Of course, we've got to deal with human authorities. There's a whole other sermon there we could talk about sometimes. But I'm talking about submitting to the Lord. We have an old self that wants to be in charge and wants to lead and wants to, wants to rule. But God says, no, I want to teach you how to really rule with power and authority that will affect culture. But you're going to get there through submission. Not my will, but your will be done. You know, uh, I heard a guy say once, if God were to answer all the prayers of the old self, then this world would be in chaos. You got, you know, you got a group of guys going to Kansas City. Every time we go to Kansas City, it, it rains. For a ball game, for a football game, or a baseball game, it rains. So I might pray, Lord, let us have a clear day with no rain so we can enjoy the game. Then you got a farmer over here whose crops are about to die and they need some rain. He's praying, Lord, let the rains come. Well, what's, which prayer is he going to answer? You got the Chiefs getting ready to play the Denver Broncos. There are Christian fans on both sides who are praying for their team to win. Which prayer is God going to answer? <laughs> the Chiefs. <laughs> You've never done this before, but I have probably. We get mad at somebody and we pray, God, get them. Get them, Lord, you know. <laughs> Straighten them out. Teach them a lesson. That's a prayer of the old self. You know, I, I just laugh, you know, when... Uh, when the city in Samaria, Samaria rejected the Lord Jesus and his message, 
I think it was James and John said, Lord, should we call down hail and thunder from on high to teach him a lesson? And it's like, Who are, whose disciples are you guys? What are you doing here? You know, God is not committed to answer any prayers from the old self. But he will answer prayers from the new self. Sometimes he even answers prayers from the old self, but he's not committed to it. But he wants to clear away that rebel who wants what he or she wants to get us to a place where we can submit and trust him. And then he really teaches us how to pray. He's doing this process. So when we, when we come to pray, we've got to think about this. You know, uh, and you know, I could be a person who, who looks at my motives too much sometimes, but God, am I praying this because it's what you want or is it because what I want? I want to learn to pray what you want. You know, um, we got all these areas that we're bringing before the Lord. I don't know what you've prayed about in the last two weeks. Finances, health issues, friends, pe- places we think God needs to get in there and do something, <laughs> you know, and it's okay. We, that's how we learn. But is it what God wants or is it what we want? We, we, we see political things we think should happen. Okay, we talked about this last week. Jesus made political statements. We, we come to the Lord with our political ideas sometimes, and God, this needs to happen. This person needs to be in office. This person needs to be out of office sometimes. What does God want? What's he doing here? We find it through prayer. And we grow in this. There are things I've earnestly prayed for that God didn't do, and I'm so happy he didn't do it. Amen. I was earnest with fervent cries and petitions before the Lord I dated a girl in junior high that I thought that we should be together for all eternity. And, uh, and, and she, we broke up. And I just went before the Lord like, God, this, this needs to work out. You need to get involved here. And he didn't. And years later, I went to college and I met my lovely wife. And we go home for a visit. And I'm shopping in Logalee's, the grocery store. And I come around the corner. And there this lady is, grown with three snarling bratty kids climbing all over him, her and screaming and going crazy, and she looks like she's just been through who knows what. And I dropped to my knees in the frozen food section and said, thank you, Lord, for not answering my prayers <laughs> years ago. You know, you know what you're doing. You know, Mary and I were sing- we were married, but we didn't have kids, and we're traveling and doing all these things. And I came to town to serve at a church, and I got here and realized there was just a lot of turmoil and problems at this place, and there are some things coming unraveled, and I'm in, in a prayer session with the Lord, and I, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, um, I really want this to work. This is why I came down here. And the Lord gave me a phrase immediately that Abraham prayed to the Lord, may Ishmael live before you. I'm thinking, it has startled me. No, no, Lord, this is, this is a good thing. <laughs> work this out. May, Ish, may Ishmael live before me. God wanted, Abraham wanted God to do what he wanted and make Ishmael the, the heir and not to give him his own son through Sarah as he had promised, who was Isaac. And Isaac means laughter, by the way. And as that whole situation deteriorated, I got some prophetic words from some people to start a church. And when the time was right, we started a church. And our Isaac was a novo. And God let that thing fall apart, even though I prayed for him not to let it fall apart, so he could give us something new. And now I thank the Lord for it. There have been things that I prayed earnestly for God to do that he didn't do. 
Now, if your prayer doesn't get answered right away, it doesn't mean that you're praying the wrong thing or outside of his will. We learn. But sometimes it is. And sometimes later on we see uh, what was best. So we need to learn to settle this issue in our life as we come to him in prayer. Um, submitting to his will. We learn to, to take our hands off a little bit and say, God, what you want, not what I want. I want to learn, to, I want to be a person who loves what you love and hates what you hate. And that happens in prayer. It happens as we pray. These are things that God is working in you and me as we become people of prayer. And these are things that we will miss if we don't learn how to pray. It's so important. Um, as long as we try to force our will on a situation, we're not leaving room for the Lord. And what God wants to do is so much better. So a question for us today, are we trying to grow in renouncing our own will and embracing the will of God, or are we wanting to do our own thing? Here's some things to remember real fast, and I'm going to close. Number one, God loves you more than you love yourself. God loves you more than you love yourself. He cares about you deeply and what's going on in your life. And if he's steering you a different direction, you can be assured that it's, that it's totally out of love. He loves you. Uh, number two, God understands you better than you understand yourself. You want, to date, you want to marry the girl you dated in junior high, God's got somebody better for you. He's got a plan, you know. Even when we don't understand, God, why is this taking so stinking long? That, that's my hardest one. Why is this taking so long? I know what you want to do. It's taking forever. Trust me. Keep doing this. Keep doing that. We, we trust him. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. And number three, he wants what's best for you. God is actively working for you what's best for you. That's what he cares about. So we, our response is, God, not what I want, but what you want. I want your perfect, your acceptable, your good will in my life. And we remember prayer is not about getting what we want. It's about learning what God wants and yielding to it. One quick thought, and we'll close. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, that's the current, <laughs> to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God's ability to answer our prayers and bless us in a lifestyle of prayer goes beyond anything that we can think or imagine right now. What he's wanting to do in your life is bigger, it's, his vision for your life is bigger than your vision. We see now he's thinking generations. We're thinking my little sphere, he's thinking culture. He's thinking bigger. It happens through prayer. Imagine your life as you learn to, to pray regularly and submit to the Lord and pray what he wants. Uh, imagine us as a church as we do this together. I'm going to close with some hippie wisdom. We did that last week. Every week we're going to have our hippie wisdom of the day. So our hippie wisdom right now is a hippie named Martin Luther. He was one of the original hippies. Uh, <laughs> Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. That's our, that's our goal in prayer. Let me, let me pray for us. Um, Lord, thank you for your heart for us. And thank you for this thing you invented called prayer. That just helps us so much. 
Lord, I pray that this week that you would just draw us deeper in prayer. And Lord, I thank you that you're working rule in us as a king and submission in us as a priest. Lord, we want it. So Lord, keep doing what you're doing. We trust you. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be, we remember your answers to prayer in our life and what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see our significance in you and the things that you're working in us. God, we love you and trust you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.